All right. Hello, everyone. We are back. Welcome back to our podcast. But what if I soar? Uh, I am your host or one of your hosts, Dominique Flint, a licensed professional counselor and certified clinical trauma professional and owner of Free to Be Counseling Services. And I'm Deveron. I'm a licensed social worker and certified life coach and the owner of Social MacGyver. We are very happy to be here with you today. Uh, if you enjoy this content, please make sure to like and subscribe and hit the little bell so that you are notified when we drop new content, new videos. Um, also, make sure to leave a comment. We would love to interact with you um, and want to really hear what you have to say about um, today's topic. Um, below, we have included our contact information. So let's jump right in and begin soaring together. Okay. So Dom, what was some highs and one low from this past week? Ooh, this week was choking me out. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> like, for real, like happy to choke on in my life. <laughs> okay, okay. So high because it kind of uh manifested from a low. Mm-hmm. So so these last few weeks have been a bit overwhelming for me emotionally. Mm-hmm. My emotion regulation um, is, you know, sometimes short, very short, very compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say the high, though, is that it started allowing me to think a little bit more about what am I doing to like really preserve and tap into um my emotional regulation. So for those of you who don't know, like emotional regulation is really a way for us to become more, um, uh, become more um, aware of how we might be responding to um, stimuli, right? Whether it's your kids, whether it's work, whether it's your spouse, whether it's traffic and, you know, all these things, right? We find ourselves in these in, in these situations and our ability to um, respond and not react is really a testament to um, things that you're doing to really help, uh, you know, cure um, and calm uh, the emotion regulation that's within you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, one of the highs from the last few weeks is that I have been super committed to getting back into guided meditation. Um, I tried it a few months ago and I was, I, I really did find a lot of meaning in it. I definitely did find it to be helpful, um, but it's all about consistency and routine. And for me, when I get out of that routine, it's really easy for me to just kind of fall off. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely did fall off from it. Um, and so I, this, these past two weeks I've started to do, now I haven't done meditation every day, but I do try to do it at least like maybe three or four times a week, um, generally in the morning. But what I'm really working on is like just checking in with myself, like maybe not every hour. My therapist did suggest every hour, but I think that might be a bit overkill for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like in the morning, in the afternoon at lunch and like maybe in the evening, you know, something like that, where I'm just like checking in with how I'm feeling. Um, so I started, I'm going to start to do that. I got back into meditation. So at least maybe three or four times a week, I really do want to do that. And I really thrive doing guided meditations around different topics. So I downloaded <clears throat> this app called um, Insight Timer. 
Mm-hmm. And it's great. Um, you can use it as a, as a free app, but I pay for the subscription because I really want to take full advantage of it. Because again, I need to get control of <laughs> this uh, emotion <laughs> regulation. Like it's like do or die. So I need to, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to just, you know, I'm just going to pay for the subscription. It's like $60 for a whole year, but you get like, no, it's not. You get like, you get meditations, all kinds guided. You can make your own meditations. Um, you, there's like different talks around different topics. Um, and so I did that. And then I have this mommy milestone journal that I have, and I haven't, hadn't really been using it. Um, but what it does is like it, it, you can like kind of identify some things you want to focus on for the day. And then at night you get to reflect a little bit mm-hmm. about what went on for that day. And so I started doing that a few times a week as well. And then in my uh, insight timer, there's also a section for journaling. So I just kind of, you know, use that to jot some things down throughout the day. So I'm really just trying to just be more mindful and more aware of tapping into what's going on for me mm-hmm. um, because it, it, you know, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I can tend to intellectualize things. Um, I know it sometimes it's, and other times it's a trauma response. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think in this, I think for me, it's a way to stay connected to like what's really going on for me so I can be better at problem solving, how to address what's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's the high from the week. The low was, uh, so long story short, you know, you know, when you are, you know, parenting and trying to manage, you know, work life. Again, we talked about me really trying to figure out this work-life balance. Um, I really did struggle um, last week or the week before last with trying to balance that. Mm-hmm. And I found myself reacting in ways that I just did not like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was, it was kind of a shit show. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so really what, the low for me was not that I was not that I acted out not that I had some reaction um but that I just wasn't tapping into you know being more aware what what was going on with me like I think that was the biggest thing because I do think that it is important for your kids to see you imperfect you know what Mm -hmm. I mean I don't I don't believe in like don't fight in front of the kids I mean I don't think you should be like going blow for blow in front of your kids like you know verbally or but yeah. I that what we fail to realize as parents is that how do your kids learn how to uh, address conflict how do they learn those conflict resolution skills how do they learn how to navigate in difficult conversations if they never see it exactly. you know like they have to they have to witness it and so you as the parent you get to decide how much or how little you allow them to see but they have to see something exactly some kind of guidance around how they're going to navigate through those situations I I think it's just it's a disservice to me and I understand a lot of parents you know may feel like you know those things are not you know their business Mm -hmm. um however on the flip side of that like how do they grow up and, and have all these skills that we think that adults should have? So exactly. story short, yeah. So long story short, I just was not happy with the way I was allowing my emotions to get the best of me. And just because you, because when you're experiencing an emotional reaction, your body feels that before your mind can even tell you what's going on. Yeah, and I just, you do. Yeah. 
So I just had not been really mindful of that. So that was the low. But again, the high was like, okay, what you going to do about this, sis? Because this is not <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't working. So, so yeah, so those were the two things for me um, over the past few weeks. What about you, Deb? What, what showed so, up for you? I would say... This week has been very busy for me, um, trying to find a balance of working full time, you know, the different things that take place within my job, which I love. Mm -hmm. And then um, also trying to balance the kids being home from, you know, school for the summer and them constantly feeling like they need attention, but not in um, kind of communicating it in a proper manner, doing things to get attention, whether it be positive or negative. And then these kids, I don't know what it is, but they are trying to eat me out of house and home. And I am tired of going grocery shopping like every few days. I feel like they eat because they're bored. They don't even really be hungry. They just like <laughs> it's it's been a challenge. Okay, I'm ready for school to start. Um, but you know, just trying to find a balance of doing what I love to do, which is I'm very goal oriented and really focusing on what I'm trying to pursue personally, but also balancing being a wife, being a mom, and a guardian. Um, and then also I have two pups, right? So, um trying to, you know, get them to know the house rules and what's acceptable, what's unacceptable. And, you know, it it has been a lot. So I've been trying to find mm-hmm. that balance. So I would say, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a low. I would just say that it was a challenge more so this week than any other week. But I, you know, one of the things I like to do is like reflect back and like you said, like if you know that you maybe didn't react in a, in a way that you want to, one of the things that I try to practice with the kids is coming back and like maybe I was snappy in the moment, right? Like maybe I am because they love to do this. Like when I'm working, because I work from home, when I'm working and no one's calling me, I'm just working on a project or something, nobody wants to talk to me. But when I have like multiple projects due, I'm working on phone calls and things like that's when they literally want to come in here. And and ask me like a question they could ask my husband like can I eat right. why are you asking me can you eat like you know <laughs> so sometimes I might be snappy like I might just be kind of like overwhelmed and then I snap and you know I'll be like why are you asking me like go ask mercy and that's not the way that I want to be. And so I will come back to them and I'll apologize for my reaction. I will also explain what was going on when I was snappy. And then we'll talk about how we could both, you know, handle it better moving forward. And I I like doing that because it allows them to know that I am human, but it also allows them to know that there are people that you're going to come across that are going to be going through different things. And we never know what someone is fully going through. And we need to have some awareness about that. So that is something that I have definitely been practicing this week and I will continue to practice. And like I said, I'm ready for these kids to go back to school. (laughs) Love them to death, but I'm like, you guys are bored. And I'm just ready for you to have like a more structured type of, you know, day, but, and then I is, 
I am, I decided to go and get another certification in life coaching. I'm currently in a course that is um, certified by ICF, which is like one of the biggest um, organizations that kind of oversee coaching, kind of give it some structure um, and more guidelines. And I really like that because I am a licensed social worker. So I like having, you know, ethics set and standards of practice. I feel like that's really important. I don't like for things to be like the wild west. And so this is a little bit different because I already did a certification or I did two certifications in life coaching before, but the ICF model is very structured differently and they have higher, I want to say expectations of what coaching looks like for them. And so it's a new type of model that I'm learning, but I'm really excited about it because I like lear learning different frameworks and I like having, like I said, a structure and a guideline mm -hmm. and something that I can, you know, a good framework that I can reflect on to make sure I'm adhering. Um, and then it also have continuing education, which I'm really into. Nice. Obviously I have to do that for my licensure and then my other certifications, but I really like continuing education because, you know, things change, um, policies and procedures change the way we view things change. And so just constantly being in the loop and being aware of those changes um, is definitely something important to me because I want to continue to grow professionally. And the the continued education also helps me grow, you know, personally as well. So that is one of my highs. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for just being interested in, you know, continuing that education because I mean, it is a part of our licensure. Um, she's a, a licensed social worker. I'm a licensed professional counselor. So we do, um, you know, have, you know, our state, you know, require a certain amount of continued education. Um, but sometimes, you know, depending on the circumstances, you might just do some trainings that you may, that may not necessarily be geared towards things you really want to pursue exactly. as a professional, but it just kind of meets the expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just being committed to like, no, I don't want to just do a training just to get the hours. I really want, you know, something. And then to go under, I, the, this, the, the life coaching you know, kind yeah, of I see umbrella. It. Yeah. Like that's, that's good. Cause again, life coaching is a little bit different from, you know, the license state licensures, because there really isn't, uh, from what I understand, there isn't really like an umbrella. There's so many different types of life or life coaching or coaching programs. Yeah, throughout. yeah, that's no. definitely true. There's a lot of different frameworks. Uh, the ICF model is the most um, internationally known. So it's it's like the biggest one that a majority and it has like a lot of credentials behind it and um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of like research and, and it's very highly supported. But you know, there are different types of life coaching. And um, like I said, I like having a standard and I like like we have to submit um, coaching calls to to work on different credentials um, and different certs underneath the ICF model. Um, and I like having that standard because I want to make sure that I'm doing right for myself, but also right by my clients. Like, you know, I want to make sure that I am continuing to grow and and being reflective of my skills. So something that I'm very excited yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I want to say too is I being willing to go back to the kids and say, you know, here's why I was snappy. I apologize for being snappy. 
here's what's going on. I know for lots of us who were parented by, you know, your generation, that <laughs> apology, you ain't getting that. You know, no, I mean? like, it's like, because I, I, so. <laughs> I said it. Do what I said, because I said it, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. I was just having this conversation with my mom yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I'm definitely, we are definitely trying to parent our son differently than. And again, there's no knock against the way we were parents. Yeah. I totally understand, you know, what the moment needed, right? And mm-hmm. what my mom might have been lacking um, in her own life to be a good parent, right? So she was just, you know, using the techniques that she had because that's what she had, you know? So I don't exactly. I don't have any animosity. Th- that is a critique that I do have is that those parents of that age, apologize over nothing okay nothing I'm the parent you're the child (laughs) and so I do think that there is something to be said about going through something you know Mm -hmm. honoring that that may still have impacted them emotionally right so just kind of opening up that communication and dialogue I think is like super important I think it's another way to help develop their emotion um emotional intelligence skills because which is something that you know, I don't know. I don't, I know I didn't really learn as a kid, you know? And so part of the reason why, you know, I might be in therapy maybe is because I don't have those skills or Mm -hmm. I'm developing them now, but they're so important to me now because I know how they can really improve your relationships. You know what I mean? And so I think that's just a great way to get them, you know, really tapping into those skills because, you know, we don't like we don't take we don't take a class as a 14 year old <laughs> no. on on that right like life is our class and you either get exactly. those skills or you don't you know so yeah yeah and I think it it's I don't always get it right I'm not gonna act like I'm the perfect you know exactly parent um but I think like showing them that I am imperfect allows them to know that they're gonna be imperfect but also know that no matter what the interaction is, we can always come back and try and do better. And I think like that's the overall message. And one thing, and we're going to actually talk about this today is anxiety, right? And one thing I noticed, especially with my niece is even if I am just kind of saying something and maybe I say it in a way that I think is like normal, but she might feel like it's a little bit assertive. She struggles with anxiety. She gets very anxious and I can physically see the anxiousness in her. Um, She starts, you know, fidgeting. She starts stuttering. It is very clear. And it's really just that struggle with assertiveness for her. She automatically thinks the worst. And so Mm. one of the things that I try to practice is even with, because I'm a very assertive person, that's just my, you know, nature. Um, And in being assertive, it doesn't mean that I'm over there like yelling or, you know, being demanding. It's just like when I have like a certain expectation, I will say, you know, like right now, we are working towards, she's going into her senior year. So we're working in towards her getting ready to start applying to colleges and a component for this summer was she has an internship, which, you know, I'm so glad that she was proactive in doing that, but I'm also wanting her to engage in community service. And she continues to express that she wants a summer job. 
And anyone who has a teenager right now knows that finding a summer job for a teen is not the easiest thing. Um, A lot of organizations have a certain idea about teenagers. So I keep trying to explain to her, your desire of wanting a job has to also be followed with action. You have to show them why they should invest in you, why you are different than the typical team that they think they kind of have a general idea about, right? And that has to be, you have to be persistent. You have to put yourself out there and things like that. And it's uncomfortable for her at times, but it also requires me to be accountable to her, right? So I have to go back and say, okay, I gave you these tasks. Where are we at with this? You know, have you reached out to any organizations? Have you followed up? Have you put an application? And sometimes in doing that, it holds her accountable and she starts to think that that accountability and that assertiveness of me following up with her is her being in trouble or, you Mm. know, her. And again, she has prior experience before me, um, but she just thinks the worst. And so I have to also take into consideration her anxiety and her anxiousness and figure out how I can get the message across in a way that works for me, but also for her where she's able to receive it. And I think that that's very important. And that's one of the reasons why I try to practice that coming back of, let me explain this again. Let's talk about this. Let's have dialogue to see if you're getting it, the message that I am trying to, you know, give to you. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think, I mean, it's just, it's a prime example of just, emotion intelligence skills that mm-hmm. you know she's going to need you know what I mean and she's a good girl um I I think it, but you're right though it's like she has these challenges with anxiety what am I doing to like get the message to her in a way that she can receive it and that she also understands that part of her job is to be accountable to what we're trying to work towards if she really does want this job what is she doing to do that? And I'm not going to always say it in a way that makes you feel good, but it's coming from this goal, right? The goal that we exactly. said that I'm trying to hold you to. So no, I think that's really good. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into today's topic, which is anxiety. Yeah. And we're going to start off by, I think for a most part, a lot of people kind of know what feeling anxious means, um, but we want to kind of just talk about what the definition of anxiety actually means. Tom, do you want to give it or you want me to give it? Yeah, I'll share. So it's all about, you know, feeling distressed, feeling uneasy. And some of that distress and uneasiness can be caused by like fear, right? Fear of something bad happening, fear of danger, um, or some kind of misfortune happening, right? Mm-hmm. And and the thing to remember about anxiety is that everyone's anxiety is going to look differently, right? There's a continuum of anxiety where, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you look at a continuum or scale, you know, on one end, there's going to be maybe more mild anxiety. And as you move throughout that scale, you may get to somebody who has debilitating anxiety, exactly. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, And so the most important thing when you're considering anxiety, and I don't even mean anxiety as it relates to like a diagnostic, um, you know, diagnostically, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if if you go see a therapist and they diagnose you with anxiety, because again, we all in some respects will experience anxiety. Um, the, 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 I guess the quest with that is like, how does your anxiety show up? What do you notice when you are feeling anxious and overwhelmed? 
Mm-hmm. Um, is it that uneasiness that you're feeling in your body? Um, is it, you know, tightness in your, in your chest? For a lot of us, I know for me, I have a lot of gut issues when I'm experiencing anxiety. So it might be your gut issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be sweating. It could be, you know, sometimes our anxiety can just present in different ways. And so the, the goal really is that it's not about being diagnosed with anxiety per se, though. It's really about just tapping into being more aware of how your anxiety is showing up for you and what, you know, skills or, you know, what kind of uh, methods, tools can you utilize to kind of help you um, combat that? So that's, you know, anxiety is. Yeah. And I like that you talked about, you know, that it looks differently for other people, because that's one of the things that I think is really important is, you know, how my niece, how anxiety or feeling anxious looks for her may not be how it looks for myself. Right. Um, You know, our fight or flight is very different. Um, We, you know, we come with different experiences and you know, my anxiety is filtered through all of those experiences. And so that's going to look very different on me compared to how it may look on her. So just being aware of that um, and not trying to compare the two um, is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, So you know, Sorry, I was going to say, so we talked about like the definition of anxiety, but I know that we have both, you know, referenced in the prior episode of having feelings of anxiousness or anxiety and, you know, different situations where that has kind of been prompted. I want to kind of talk a little bit more about our individual experiences with anxiety and then also kind of talk about the tools that we have found to be helpful helpful um when kind of dealing with those things okay cool you want to go first go first so I like I said I have different experiences um that have impacted me and that are like a filter for how I view things when I'm feeling anxious so one of the more I would say prevalent um times that I had um anxiety was after my car accident so I was in a car accident a couple of years ago and um, I was driving, I want to say it was a Ford Focus. I, I think it was, I'm pretty sure. It was. I think it was. It was a Ford Focus yeah. and I loved my little Ford Focus. It was so good on gas, but anyway, yeah. so I was driving in my car. I was on my lunch break and I was going to lunch with my two nephews and my sister and we were on a back road and an SUV we had the we had no stop sign we were driving and the SUV stopped I saw them stop but then they started pulling up so I started trying to slow down and they stopped again so I thought it was good and I continued to go down the road and they hit me full on on my driver's side so they hit luckily I was reactive and before they hit me so I was able to kind of like turn a little bit but if not they would have hit me full on right on my um the driver door and it would have been way worse than it was but it was not good they hit us um it ended up with the car flipping and um it was like slow motion. Like when people say, you know, when you have these situations, your life kind of flashes for your head eyes. It was like, I felt the car flipping (laughs) and I was like, you know, obviously 
it felt so slow, but it was like really, really fast. But it was just like, you know, the everything in the car like flew. There was like, we had just gotten our food. So there was food everywhere. Well, we got leftovers for my husband. So there was food all over the place. Thank God. Um, my nephews had their car seat. They were in their car seats. They were buckled up. We were wearing our seat belts. Um, my, the way that the car hit us are, um, airbags did not deploy and it actually was a blessing because everyone who saw the car was like you know I can't believe that you guys walked away from that um thankfully no one was seriously injured I did have you know some injuries um like my back was messed up my shoulders messed up even now I can't um, kind of hold like more than 25 pounds on my left side, or I'll start to have like, um, muscle spasms, but it was like, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. But after that, I had serious anxiety, serious anxiety to the point where it was where I could not even move. So I did not want to drive. If I, you know, it took me a while to get behind the steering wheel again. And then when I did drive, anytime I would come to like an intersection, my heart would drop. My heart would drop. My palms would get sweaty. I felt like there was like someone sitting on top of my chest. It was very uncomfortable. Um, I constantly was on alert, like trying to predict everything, um, looking around just, and I'm a pretty good, I would say I'm a good driver. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was my first car mercy accident. about that. <laughs> I don't think my husband would say that, but I'm a pretty good driver. But I was just like constantly trying to predict what, and you know, driving is kind of like predicting what others will do, but it was to the point where I wasn't focusing on other things. And then I would become like a tunnel vision of trying to predict what other people were doing, that it really wasn't safe for me to be driving at that time. Like it was just not good. Um, And I ended up having to go to therapy for it because it was, I had a job that required me to drive. I was driving to go and see clients and their families in their homes. So I was required to drive and that was a struggle. That was a big struggle. And I worked, you know, for a long time unpacking that and, and trying to be okay with feeling anxious, but being okay with decreasing the anxiety to the point where I could function within it. Um, And a tool that actually worked really well was that, I would, cause I had to drive on like the highway and things like that for my job. And so one of the things that I came up with, with my, the help of my therapist was to listen to Spanish music. So mm. I would listen to Spanish music and it would put me in a head frame where I still was anxious. Like I still had the anxiety there, but it was decreased enough where I was focusing on the actual music that I could like look at the rest of my surrounding. It wasn't, I was no longer like in a tunnel vision of being this fight or flight and just so scared. And I couldn't focus on anything else to now I was able to like look at the full picture and function within that anxiety. And to this day, when I get on the highway, I still have, you know, really bad anxiety, like driving into Philly or, you know, any high traffic area. 
makes me anxious i will turn on some spanish music in the moment and it just calms me like it calms me it centers me it brings me back to like okay you you know you can work within this anxiety it's okay um you're okay you're safe like it grounds me which Mm -hmm. you know people probably like spanish music but yes like spanish music grounds me I was listening to Osuna, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, like whatever Spanish music, I had a whole playlist, my Spanish, Spanish common music. And it was not yeah. like calm in the tone, but it really like kind of soothed me. And one of the things I was able to identify with my therapist was the Spanish music remind me of my grandmother. So mm-hmm. that brought good memories to me and it was able to kind of calm me down and, and be centered and grounded and be able to, you know, move within that anxiety. Wow. First of all, yeah, I mean, accident sounds horrible. Um, so I can definitely understand why you might, you know, experience anxiety moving forward. You know what I mean? Because the thing about the thing about our traumatic experiences is that life doesn't stop like life still exactly. has to keep going exactly. um and you know sometimes we can be frozen in those experiences but life does keep going so like the fact that you were kind of able to figure out okay I need to kind of work through this you know is 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 important because you know life just it unfortunately it just doesn't stop you know we still have to keep going so yeah like the anxiety is just it can be overwhelming um I mean, it it just, it definitely just speaks to, you know, the type of anxiety that, and I think most people can relate, like driving, you know, I've never been into an accident, like a severe accident um, before. Um, It's it's honestly one of my biggest fears though. It is a huge fear of mine. Um, But yeah, so I, I definitely can understand that, you know, you know, creating some anxiety for you for sure. Yeah. What about you? How does your anxiety Mm -hmm. kind of come up? What are some tools that you have um, been able to utilize? And maybe even some tools that you tried out and you found that they were maybe helpful, but just not for you in that certain situation. Yeah. So my anxiety kind of manifests as like overthinking, overanalyzing, catastrophizing, um, kind of uh, reactive. So I would say if I had to identify like where, because if I go back and think about anxiety, I've always been a pretty anxious, like from the time I was a little kid. And, and I think at the time I didn't know that what I was experiencing was anxiety. Mm -hmm. But as I learned more about anxiety, you know, going to grad school, then being a therapist and just, you know, I'm like, Oh, that's what I was going through that whole time. Like, you know, and so I think what it does for people and what it did for me was like you, when you can put a name to your experiences, it does definitely make you feel like, okay, so I'm not crazy. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, this, you know yeah. I mean? Because otherwise you feel like, why is this happening? Like, yeah, you're so able to define I, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I would say, up, I definitely experienced, you know, traumas, right? And mm-hmm. so those traumas definitely manifested as anxiety. So that would be 
um, again, like I said, overthinking, overanalyzing, catastrophizing, and just not feeling safe. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the concept of what was happening to me was just me feeling unsafe, right? Um, There is something to um, body, like when people say like, you know, for all of us who, um, you know, who, who are are very interested in like trauma and anxiety mm-hmm. like you know there's all these books right and so one of the books that is like quintessential is like the body keeps the score i love and, that book i love that yeah book. i actually did a training with bessel on that book last year and it's so true like and and as a 15 year old or nine year old i didn't understand that like i'm reacting to trauma this anxiety that's just being stored in my body and I just mm-hmm. I, I don't know you know what I mean I'm just I'm, I was a paper girl so I was you know so I'm just living my life doing all these things and I didn't realize that you know my reactions to just life and just certain stimuli was just you know your body is responding to that trauma that's stored there that is not being tapped into I wasn't I wasn't I never experienced any like counseling for some of the traumatic events that I experienced Mm -hmm. as a kid um and I don't really know I mean there's lots of reasons why that never happened when I was a kid um but you know I think what I what often happens and what happened to me was another way that my anxiety can show up is like overachieving right Mm -hmm. so I experience certain things as a kid but if you looked at my life you and this is this is not truly understanding that people's traumatic events show up in different ways right that like sometimes people go through traumatic events and you can see it you can tell right Mm -hmm. um because they've never been able to quote unquote recover from those traumatic events right and so for me I didn't know that I was doing this but like a huge part of that anxiety or those tra- traumatic events was perfectionism, right? Uh-huh. Being this perfect kid um, that never got in trouble. I have a twin brother. So it was this like good twin, bad twin. I was always seen as the good twin, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't realize that growing up, there are lots of rewards that you get from being a good kid. But I can promise you that a lot of that was showing up as perfectionism and yes. you know just yeah. not want to upset people and then it shows up as pleasing and like not want to rock the boat because again that anxiety you know and and my experiences with relational trauma are, are is is really what I experience right so like so much about relationships and how that anxiety shows up and how it manifests into you know sometimes that overthinking and that analyzing is around like are they mad at me did I do mm-hmm. something wrong like you know again it's it's a lot better than it was because I understand why it's showing up and how to really address it but but yeah like a lot of the anxiety that I experienced I had no idea that that's what I was feeling and um you know again it shows up for me as like overthinking analyzing people pleasing and just mm-hmm. um this need at one point, this need to to be perfect, like so, and and no one ever said I needed to do that. But I think what happens is you get so much positive reinforcement from being this kid that is always seen as being good and 
you know, you get good grades. And, and I was an overachiever. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. got good grades. I was in National Honor Society. I was a cheerleader. I did all these things. And I got I always got good feedback. And so mm-hmm. I don't think the feedback, I don't, obviously, I don't think that people knew that, like, me giving her this feedback is going to, like, eventually manifest into her thinking that, like, without these accomplishments, she's unworthy, right? I don't think yeah. they knew that that's what was going to happen. What happened to me was one day I just kind of realized that like all these achievements, I mean, I, I graduated from college. I go right back to graduate school. I was a very independent young adult. You know, I didn't really need a whole lot from my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have it to give, but I knew that. So I was very responsible, like all these things that you just don't see in like kids in their twenties, right? They're, mm-hmm. you know, in your twenties, you just out here, you know? And I was, I knew I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, a lot of that was just manifesting as anxiety. Um, and one day I realized like all these accomplishments don't take away from that tra- those traumatic events that I experienced. Yeah. Like it don't matter how many degrees you get. It don't matter how good of a person you're trying to be. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you avoid making. It's not going to take away from those events that shaped you. Exactly. Like, you're never going to be the person that you were before, but how could you? Because yeah. those experiences, they, they, they change you, you know? And yeah. I was very avoidant to how those experiences affected me. Um, and so I went to therapy for the first time when I was like maybe 28 or 29. Um, and it was, it was a really good experience because I was able to really kind of talk through some of the things that I experienced that I didn't even know was impacting me and causing anxiety in my life. I, I just, I had no idea. And a lot of the the lack of awareness was um, generational trauma, like mm-hmm. us normalizing some of the experiences that you have growing up. You just think that it's normal until you tell somebody else and they're like, yeah. Oh, and they're like, like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's not normal. Like, like- <laughs> when we say normal, we don't mean that there's a standard that everyone should follow. But in your upbringing, there are things that we do normalize, right? That is mm-hmm. just, you know, that is just facts, right? Oh, that's just um, so and so. That's just how they are. Right. And, you know, right. and yeah, yeah. So I was normalizing those things, right? I was just like, well, that's just what happened. Like, yeah. you know, I deserve yeah. those things or yeah. I earned that, you know, and and really, you know, it took me talking to one of my, uh, when I first got out of graduate school, I was, um, I had moved and I had started this new job and I um, have a friend now. She's like, like one of my really good friends, really good girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, we were talking about like, I don't even know how we got on the topic, um, but she was like, you know, that wasn't okay. And I'm like, it wasn't like, I just, you know, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't put yeah. those things together. And so at that point, I was like, yeah, maybe I need to kind of talk about this, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, because how, how else is this, if I'm this unaware, how else awareness my relate my other relationships with myself mm-hmm. at that time, you know, I wasn't married, but I was dating my husband. So like, how is it impacting, you know, that relationship, mm-hmm. my family relationships, you know, so it, it, so it just, um, opening experience for me. So to say, you know, um, that's how my anxiety shows up. And really what I have been working through and working on, lots of different things. So 
like, so when you experience anxiety, like, uh, you know, trying to uncover what your thoughts are, is it helpful? Um, because I do think it is helpful, but I think for me, I need to find a way to the body down first. Yeah. You know? So when you, right. So you, and you probably know this, right? So yeah, because you, you can't really focus if your body is can't. on that fight or flight, because right now can't. I'm so activated that Mm -hmm. everything looks like danger everything looks like danger Mm -hmm. so how can I even have a moment to sit and say you're good and practice these skills if I am so alerted that everything looks like lions tigers and bears like that's just not gonna work you have to find some Mm -hmm. way to calm yourself down so that you can realize and talk yourself through further of everything yeah. is not out to get me. But when I'm activated, I'm on go mode. Like I am mm-hmm. on self-survival. I am, I'm going to figure out, you know, yeah. like the house is on fire. I'm trying to figure out how I can get myself out. Like I, I'm not right. thinking about, you know, the pictures and, you know, all this. Other. I am like, oh my God, the house is on fire. You know, I got to go, right? Yeah, I got to go. I got to move. And and a lot of times that's what happens. Like I physically have to move mm-hmm. and get out of the situation. Um, and sometimes, you know, you physically, you know, you want to move. Logically, you want to move, but you're paralyzed, right? And that is even yeah. worse, especially for mm-hmm. someone like myself. Like, you know, we both have our own experiences, like past trauma, um, if I feel like I'm stuck in something and I'm feeling anxious, mm-hmm. past me would become yeah. combative and would, you know, would probably try to be like, okay, well, is me against you, you know, you about to lose, and you know? Goal, so, I was going to say the goal is for me to win. Yeah. So. Like and at any means necessary. Right. So like, you know, that that's definitely something that I, you know, consider I'm I'm better now that I don't get to that space. I, I kind of know what triggers me and I kind of know where my tolerance is. But like I said, in the past, I have been in that place where it's activated very quickly. There was no tolerance building. It was like fight or flight. You are in serious danger here you need to fight for your life. And that's not the way that I want to live. That's not the way that I could function correctly. Because oftentimes right. when I was in that activated mode at that highest you know, point, I wasn't making great decisions on how I reacted. I was literally thinking about my survival. And, you know, hindsight is 22. I, I wasn't like in a life or death situation, but my right. body and my mind felt like I was. So I was reacting Absolutely. in the best way that I could at that moment, but it wasn't appropriate. It was not appropriate. Yeah. I do. I not. mean, right. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's the point, right? Is that what I've had to learn is that just because something feels uncomfortable doesn't mean I'm unsafe, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that something bad's about to happen because that's where that catastrophizing comes in where it's mm-hmm. like oh the worst thing that could happen is and it's like how did you go from that to yeah that? Like, <laughs> how did it go there right because yeah. again like I was saying in our last episode we're we are wired our brains are wired for fight or flight we're wired mm-hmm. for trying to self-protect self-preservation and so you couple that with somebody who already is experienced trauma and traumatic events and you know has really no 
clue. And then you're that, but then I'm in an environment with other people who are also not addressing their trauma, right? Exactly. So we're just, uh, so our trauma is just bouncing off of each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Feeding so, each other. Yeah, right. And so you make such a good point when you say that like, you're in those moments, everything feels like a lion, a tiger or a bear. You don't, mm-hmm. you have no recollection. And so, you know, if we talk about the brain and the brain development, your brain, you know, when you go through traumatic events, your brain is, the chemistry in your brain is affected, right? It is changed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it can't, it can't, you know, our brains are um, able to change, right? We can create new neurons, you know, to address some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with practice and with some kind of awareness, that's the only way that it can happen, right? Exactly, and so, exactly. Um, so for, for me, doesn't work is me trying to get all up in my head. Like what mm-hmm. I have started to, because I have learned that I can uh, intellectualize things. And so when something is impacting me and my anxiety is activated, I'm like, what, <laughs> this, so, this sounds so weird. What can I read? What can I do to like <laughs> learn more about this thing? Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, I've had to learn that like, you need to just sit in your shit. Like you need to just sit in <laughs> yeah, the Right. Right. And stop you trying know, to that's a way of escaping too. Right. Like you're you are uncomfortable. So you're like, okay, what can I focus my attention on that is different from what I'm currently in? Because this is so uncomfortable and I don't like it here. So let me try to figure it out a different way. Right. And it Mm -hmm. takes you in a way out of the hot seat. So you're Mm -hmm. not really addressing what that uncomfortable feeling is, why you're even there, anything like that. You're like, you know, someone else has to have some answers, you know, let me put the spotlight (laughs) on them. You know, if they say this, and then, you know, you could just, you don't, it doesn't cause you to be reflective at all. Right. So Mm -hmm. you're not really doing the inner work. You're just putting your attention on something else. You're replacing it. Um, Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you said that because, you know, I definitely have been there. I haven't mm-hmm. like looked at something, but I have like tried to focus my attention on something else. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, this isn't, this is uncomfortable right. for me. So, yes. Yeah. And, 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 and sitting in your emotions and sitting in the unknown, because for me, the unknown, choosing it, right. Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I'm entering into something that I know is unknown, in my mind, it feels better because I'm choosing that. Like right? I'm yes. choosing to enter into something that's unknown, right? But if I am experiencing an uncomfortable thing that doesn't really give me answers to how to fix it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That feels uncomfortable. So what I've really learned to do is like, you start to, when I start to go to, well, what, you know, who can I listen to? What podcast? And I love, well, like all these things that I'm thinking that's going to fix it. It's like, no, you need to just sit there yeah. And you need to just like sit in that and just mm-hmm. fully experience what those feelings are like. Because other another huge piece of the trauma that people can experience, and I know that I experienced a lot of invalidation, right? So looking yeah. for like other people and other things to like reassure me that what I'm feeling is accurate. And so sitting mm-hmm. in those emotions, it it puts that validation back onto you. It, it, it puts the onus of like, no, you don't need someone else to validate what you're feeling in this moment. You need to sit here and feel it and recognize that whether it makes sense to anybody else doesn't matter. It's happening to you. It's what you're feeling. Exactly. It's real. You know what I mean? 
Exactly. So and that thing. it's real yeah. is important, right? It's mm-hmm. real. It's yeah. not a figment of your imagination. You're not overreacting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's so important. And being able to validate yourself mm-hmm. is such a key um, skill that is necessary. Because the thing is, you are not always going to be able to get validation from others. Some people will not be able to understand um what it is that you're going through and not saying that someone can't help you if they've never experienced the things that you've experienced that's completely not true but right sometimes it takes a skilled person in order to help you with that validation but really it should start with yourself you should you should want to practice skills to be able to validate yourself so that you can admit okay this is what happened to me this is what I'm going through mm-hmm. this is something that It's okay to feel this way, right? It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay to feel like this situation is just not it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And again, we also want to talk about our intuition compared to fear, right? Because again, anxiety can be both of these things. So sometimes, you know, you get a gut feeling. It's like, oh, wait, this situation does not feel good. And it ends up that your gut was right. The situation was not good, right? Yep. But so you want to kind of pay attention to your intuition compared to just fear, but mm-hmm. also kind of fact check it, right? Fact check it. Yes. And kind of weigh what it is that you're feeling, but also admitting that your feelings are valid. Your feelings are valid. There's a reason mm-hmm. of why you are feeling this way. You, again, you have these filters of the experiences um, that you are filtering your lens through. And so like yeah. admitting that to yourself, validating yourself, you know what? It's okay that you are feeling uncomfortable in that situation. It's it's Okay now that we have admitted that it's okay and we allowed ourselves to sit in that and understand it and unpack it, what are we going to do now? Where do we go Mm -hmm. from here? Okay. Yeah. That's the next step, right? Just saying like, I'm okay with feeling uncomfortable. I'm okay with being upset. I'm okay with whatever feelings that they are because feelings can not be a negative or positive. They're your feelings. You have a right to feel that way. But now that you have admitted and you acknowledged it, where do you go from there? That's the important, the next step is, okay, mm-hmm. and what's next? Right. I think that that's also important of like, mm-hmm. you know, just admitting that it's okay to be uncomfortable. There's a, there's yeah. a lot of uncomfortable situations, right? Yeah, like you right, said, right. You know, when you were talking to your friend and you had that aha moment, you were like, wait a minute you know, right. Let me unpack this a little bit more. But again, you had these prior experiences that you weren't even taking into consideration Mm -hmm. of why you're reacting in the way you did. And that goes back to certain reactions serve you in that moment. And sometimes what happens is we get out of that situation, but our lens for that experience is still very valid. And now we are viewing the world from that lens. And so although that one time that served you, it may no longer be serving you. And so you have to sit back and be reflective of that to see if you need to possibly change out your lens so that you can Mm -hmm. see the current situation instead of looking back through it and a lens that, you know, you used when it was serving you in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one thing that I definitely do is just kind of sit in, in those feelings, um, not try to change it, not try to, you know, and, and a huge piece of that is, um, 
self-compassion, right? Just allowing myself to like not judge those experiences, to not look at myself as some like being who should know these things. Because, you know, one thing that happens as a therapist is that people assume that because you are a therapist, you teach these skills, you know these things, that like, they're just showing up perfectly in your life. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> you don't know because I'll be over here messing up. Like, and yeah, you're not I, perfect. Nobody is perfect. <laughs> and one thing that I had to remind myself was I was listening to a podcast um, by marriage and family therapists um, who are trained by Gottman, Gottman Institute. Mm-hmm. And this guy, um, it's called Marriage Therapy Radio. It's a really good podcast. And, um, the Zach, the one of the therapists, um, said, you know, they, obviously he's a marriage and family therapist. He's married, yes, kids, but he's like, I mess it up sometimes, you know. And so what he said was, um, professional expertise is not the same as personal mastery. And when I heard oh, that, I that, I was like, I have to. That's like a mantra for me when I get so frustrated by like you know if I fall short or if I you know because you can often feel like an imposter right like you're teaching these skills and you're you know teaching your clients to do these things but like you can't do it so like yeah yeah right I can't do it it's that I'm still a human fully fully functioning person who just I'm coming to these life experiences with my own set of um areas of improvement right mm-hmm. like places that I still need to grow places I'm fully aware of but I'm coming with all of these things that have changed the person that I I was mm-hmm. um and so passion is a huge piece for me because I am offering myself kindness right T- like you know caring for myself in a way that I would care for a friend my mm-hmm. husband my son my my family, like if, if if somebody came to me with these same challenges, I would not call them names. I would not be mean. I would offer support, help, you know, what can I do to assist you? Or can I just listen? Like anything that I would, there's so many things I would do, but none of those things are like judgment and like, you know, name calling and shaming, right? Exactly. So that's another thing that I definitely try to implore is like, you know, using self-compassion as a skill. And then- I am, I go to the gym often, like I work out like three, four days a week. And so that's definitely helpful. Um, it definitely helps to focus my energy. Um, I try to go in the morning and like helps with the rest of the day. Um, so that's definitely something, but, but just getting physical, right. You know, again, trauma and anxiety can be stored in our body if we're not mm-hmm. paying attention and are not aware. So those things can definitely help to um, you know, relieve some of that and, and move some of that, those, those, that angst from your, from your body. Um, and then I would say, um, again, I cannot do any like CBT when I'm like, in my, when, when all this stuff is going on, there's just, yeah. like CBT is just, and for a long time, that made sense to me, you know, and I heard a trauma therapist say like, people who have experienced trauma, don't, they are, good at telling you something about their traumatic ex- experiences there and what's happening to them they mm-hmm. don't need to you know do cbt what they need is some kind of somatic movement some kind of like 
or some kind of uh, skill that's going to uh, address their physiology. Like that's yeah. what they're really, that's what they're struggling with. So like doing like meditation, doing some kind of grounding technique, mm-hmm. um, getting up and walking around, you know, some kind of movement or some kind of technique that's going to focus less on the thinking aspect of what they're going through. And it's going to focus more on like their physiology, trying to change what's happening within their body. Um, mm-hmm. And so things that I want to try are like yoga, because I know yoga is pretty good for stuff like that. Um, there's so many things that I do want to try, but those are some of the things that have definitely helped. Um, you know, mantras, you know, just trying to like focus on a saying or a phrase that can kind of help calm me down. Um, you know, throughout the day, if I find myself, I'm a very reactive person <laughs> and it can happen. Um, and I'm not reactive towards people mm-hmm. like so reactive to like experiences. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I won't bring that same reaction to people, but like in my office or by myself and I'm like, okay, calm down. Like yeah. <laughs> take a minute, take a breather. Like, then I can really like say like, well, what's really upset? Like what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. But I can't do that without first like kind of. So I also like have gotten into listening to music again. I'm like a, it's hard for me to get into, to get into new music. I'm trying, I really am trying, <laughs> but like, you know, there's certain, you know, certain music from a time period that yeah. if I listen to, it completely soothes me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Music from college, music from when I was in high school. I'm a big Brandy stan. So anything Brandy is going to like help me. Yeah. Um, so I'm really like trying to tap into like, um, you know, when I'm overwhelmed, like don't want some music, you know what I mean? Yeah. Play some, some music and, and that'll, that'll definitely help. So those are some of the things that I would say I definitely do. And those things are really helpful. I like that though. Like you have a toolbox, right? And you know that every tool is not going to work for that scenario, that situation, but you have different tools that you can implement. And if one doesn't work, you can go back to the toolbox and pull out another one, you know? And, you know, I love the, the music idea. I am someone, like I said, Spanish music when I'm driving, if I'm feeling anxious when and overwhelmed at work, I will listen to 80s music is my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I will listen to, you know, depending on my mood, I listen to a bunch of different music. Sometimes it is grunge music. It's rock and roll. Mm. Like, you know, there, I just have like a, I have a playlist that says like <laughs> in a mood and it has all of my different, you know, songs on it. I mean, sometimes I listen to like Blink-182. Like it just depends. Sometimes Girl. it's, it's completely ratchet you know I'm listening to three six mafia but it just it, you know music is just something that I really love it it really helps me bring balance especially if I'm feeling unbalanced I'm feeling activated I've learned that just a a song will bring me back it will center me it will ground me um so I really do like that um sometimes I also just sit with myself like sometimes I know if I'm feeling very um activated I will just sit in in a dark room like I will just sit in a dark room and just sit with my thoughts and really try to unpack um just for a couple of minutes and yeah. then you know once I have unpacked it I'm I'm ready to kind of engage and I also give myself breaks you know if I'm feeling activated okay. by my family the dogs I mean you know 
it, it could be a number of different things. I kind of take myself out of the situation, sit with myself and give myself, you know, a couple of deep breaths and then I'm ready to, you know, re-engage. And so I think like that's important. And one of the things I want people to try to take away from this um, episode is building up that toolbox, knowing that you may have to have different tools within that toolbox because everything is not going to apply for that situation, but just practicing and seeing what works for you and knowing that if one thing doesn't work, try something else. You know, I, I definitely have worked with clients who say, oh, you know, I tried this, I tried that. Okay. So you didn't try everything. Let's go back to the drawing board and let's figure out what you haven't tried and let's practice it. But also the other important thing to bring context to that is practicing these things when you're not activated so that yeah. you can re, you know, re-engage and you can actually use them when you are activated. Because again, like Dom said earlier, it's kind of hard sometimes to function when you are so activated. And like I said, I've done a lot of work personally that I try to not let myself get to that highest level of activation because I know that I just can't, I'm not logically thinking, I'm making mm -hmm. poor decisions, even though in that moment, it seems like, you know, that was the best decision for me. When I yeah. get out of that situation, I'm not proud of how I reacted. I'm not proud of what I did. And so I try to my best to have measurements of, okay, I'm feeling triggered. What can I do to kind of make sure that this doesn't continue to rise to the point where I'm now at my max? And so that's one of the mm -hmm. things that I would like people to take away is building up your toolbox. It could be, you know, having music, having a playlist, having a song that kind of brings you back and grounds you, sitting with yourself, sitting with your thoughts, um, meditation, um, yoga. It could be taking a cold shower. Um, okay. My cousin's daughter, hers is drinking hot water. Don't ask me why, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it it calms her. Um, it mm -hmm. could be, you know, my um, nephew, he likes like hearing um, a storm. Uh, we have it where he has mm -hmm. like a guided meditation with his weighted blanket. Um, my niece, she has a um, like a little teddy bear that my aunt got her that she can warm in the microwave and sit with it. And she could put like right. um, essential oils in it. So it also has the scent smell, but then also the touch um, sense. And so all these different things can be utilized. Um, stress balls. Um I had this really crazy thing my husband got in um, from his job. It's like this yelling cow and oh. or goat. I don't know why, but sometimes if I'm like feeling activated at work, I'm feeling anxious, I will press this and it will just make me laugh. So like I have mm -hmm. that on my desk. Um, my dog dash passed away in December and one of the things that helps me and calms me is I have his uh paw print on my desk and yeah. so like if I'm feeling activated I will just rub his paw print and that yeah. kind of grounds me and centers me again senses senses are another thing you know trying to kind of utilize the different um senses is definitely important when you want to ground yourself um lavender is a good one peppermint um mm -hmm. citrus orange, anything, you know, that can help you. Um, I had a client before who had trauma was attacked. And one of the ways that he would ground himself was he would carry around lavender, a bottle, a small bottle of lavender essential oils that he would just smell and sit with himself and it would bring him back. And he would focus on how his feet felt at that moment. 
really be centered and grounded and that helped bring him back to you are you're safe you're okay you're fine yeah you know you're not in a fight or flight moment at this time um so just kind of practicing these different tools taking a cold shower taking a warm shower um again running your hands under cold water um drinking something cool just trying to practice different skills is definitely something that, you know, I would suggest. And again, building up that toolbox because everything is not going to work in for that mm-hmm. moment. Um, yeah. You might find that one thing worked really well when you were less activated. And then the other time you tried to apply that, it's not going anywhere. Right. So you just want to have a couple different tools in your toolbox that you're reflective of that you have practiced when you weren't activated. So you can then go back and just say like, okay, I know how to do this, but really just kind of giving yourself space to feel that validation, grace, is and compassion is definitely important Mm -hmm. and understanding that you know what this will pass but right now I'm in this right right now this is very real to me I'm in this and I need to figure out where I'm at why I'm feeling so activated and figure out a way to get out of it safely that's the most important thing and that's the thing I want people to take away from this episode is it's okay to be anxious it's okay to have anxiety Mm -hmm. build up your toolbox utilize it and, you know, know that you don't have to be perfect. No one is going to pr- be perfect. But as long as you continue to work on this and how you react and how you kind of engage um, and are compassionate with yourself is really important. And that's how you continue to move forward and progress through these uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece, too, is just because. OK, so we might say things like, well, I tried this thing and didn't work. On top of making sure that you're not activated, give it a fair chance. Don't try mm-hmm. it one time and then say, well, it didn't work, so I'm not going to do it. Like, you know, you, you want to give it a, a fair amount of time and a fair amount of space where you've tried it in different settings. You've tried it when you were not activated. Because, again, you know, something is not going to work one time, you know, the first time you do it. Um, and so you just want to also give yourself, like, that space to, like, give it a fair chance that you've done it several times and you know for sure because you, you know, you've given it some, some time that it, it it's not going to work for you. And, and that's the thing is, if you learn nothing else from this conversation as well, is that get curious about what works and what doesn't like use this as like, not a game, but like, it's, it's, it's like opportunities to see, you know, what kind of skills can I try out? Can I put in my toolbox? So the goal is that if these things do happen, that I I have, you know, a plethora of different techniques that I could use that could be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just give it a fair chance um, and get curious, get curious about, you know, what could work, you know, what maybe what didn't work, you know, on Tuesday, you know, at noon, but may work before bedtime, right? You exactly. just never know, like these things could work, but maybe, maybe you just have to like kind of, you know, play around with it and see, you know, if, if different times of the day, different settings and different circumstances might also, this skill might be better for that versus something else. So, you know, just, just get curious with this because it's, it's at the end of the day, um, you know, we're all really just trying to figure it out. Right. And so do your very best to keep that thought process that like, we don't show up as fully functioning 
humans that, you know, our experiences definitely impact what we experience. And like, you may not be the cause to your anxiety, but you're the only one that can fix it. You're the only one who can, you know, address it. And so what can you do that does, you know, you know, give you a, a better chance at, you know, living a life that you deserve. Right. Exactly. And some of that might include, you know, playing around with some techniques, some tools and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. So don't get down on yourself or don't get, um, don't, don't, don't stop the process because maybe it didn't work this time or that time, you know, you're coming to these experiences with years and years of, of functioning that served a purpose in that moment, but may not be serving you now, right? And so exactly. because it, it doesn't serve you now, you have more stock in the behaviors that served a purpose then. You have less in like these new behaviors, new exactly. behaviors that can really help to take you to the place that you want to be. So when you look at it in that respect, keep that in mind. You know, all of the things that, got you to this moment, um, they served a purpose, right? And there's some grief in that, right? That like, now I want to be this new person and I have mm-hmm. to let go of all of those things that um, was part of my identity. And they're, they're still a part of your identity, but in a different way, right? That they're now things that you experience and that shaped you. And now you want to move into a space where you are like this different person who wants to do new things and doesn't want to be beholden to those other experiences right so there's some grief in that too so just just be like 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 dev said just be kind and give yourself grace as you're really trying to figure out what what works and what doesn't because it's it's like a trial and error in a lot of ways yeah 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 I definitely agree and so with this episode, we hope that you guys had some takeaways from it. We hope that you guys are able to kind of think about what's in your toolbox, what you might want to add into your toolbox. Um, there are There's a nice website that's called, um, I believe it's Therapist Aid, um, and it has a lot mm-hmm. of different resources that mm-hmm. are free that you can reflect on, um, and it can help you deal with different uh, ways and techniques of your anxiety, workbooks or worksheets and things like that. So it's definitely something to utilize. Like Dom had mentioned, the meditation app, there's tons of meditation apps. Some of them are free. Some of them are subscription-based that you're able to use, but you have a bunch of different resources. So please definitely, you know, build Build up, add to your toolbox so that you are able to um, kind of deal with the the anxiety and the anxiousness. And what I want to kind of close off is, um, what is a way that you are choosing to soar this week, Dom, um, that you are looking forward to? Interesting. Um, I think um, one of the ways that I want to soar is to just stay consistent with the the ways in which I'm trying to um, improve my uh, emotion regulation skills. Again, emotion regulation is something that I, I just think is, is, is an, an important skill in life. But as we are raising a little a little king, right? I want to make sure that I am pouring into him in ways that are helpful. And when I'm not balanced emotionally, I just have too many examples of like, when I'm not poured in and when I'm not pouring into myself and pouring into that aspect of me, that, 
he doesn't get the best version of me and mm-hmm. I and he deserves that and I deserve to show up as the best person right I yeah. deserve to show up as and I don't mean perfect right I just mean I deserve to show up in a way that I feel good about and yeah. when I'm not tapping into you know preserving my emotions and preserving my capacity to deal with the range of emotions that he's going through that I'm going through it just doesn't feel good to me so just being consistent like doing the meditations doing my journaling whether it's in my um insight timer uh meditation app whether it's my personal journal that I take to therapy whether it's my mommy milestone journal like just trying to tap into those things um being kind to myself no judgment you know encouraging myself you know using my mantras um taking a break when I need to like just just trying to stay consistent um and 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 just noticing when I'm not being consistent and not judging that and saying okay how do we how do we turn this around? Like, you know, you know, your, your goal is to be consistent. You're not doing that. What do we do about that? So mm-hmm. those are the ways in which I think I want to, I want to store this this week or the next couple of weeks. I like that. And I think I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what you said. I think that continuing to show myself compassion um, and understanding, like I said, I'm trying to find a balance with everything. I'm currently in class. I am working full time. I'm a mom. I am a wife. I'm a doggy mom. (laughs) And um, just knowing that I'm not going to be perfect and that's okay. Um, And I am you know, kind of pouring into myself right now, um, to reach my goals and that's okay too. Um, and I can do everything that I have kind of going on, but some days I'm going to be better in some areas than I am in others. And that's okay because I have the next day to kind of figure it out and kind of balance it out and just giving myself grace and compassion, I think is definitely important. And the other way I want to soar is I want to continue to put myself out there, um, you know, do more social media posts um, to kind of continue to share my content, even though I'm an introvert and it does not feel <laughs> natural to me. Um, that is a way that I'm choosing to soar. I want to, you know, push myself through that and just say like, it's uncomfortable, but you have a message, you have something to share with the world and you need to share it, even if it's uncomfortable. So, and I'm okay with feeling uncomfortable. So that is the way that I am choosing to soar. And um, we want everyone to kind of think about how they are going to soar these next coming weeks. Please, again, you know, like, comment, subscribe to our YouTube video. We'll also be on um, different podcast streaming services as well. So you're able to listen, download. We hope that you really are enjoying the content. Please give us some feedback or comments if you want to, you know, us to cover certain topics. Uh, We will have our... um, social media profiles and contact information in the description below. Um, And we hope that everyone has an amazing next few weeks. We hope that you guys are able to soar and, you know, move beyond the fear that you might be experiencing and that you are able to build up your toolbox um, with some more tools because we always are growing and learning. And I think one of the things that's being reflective is really important. And so we wish you guys the best of luck. I am Devaron, yeah. Social MacGyver. I am Dominique, Free to Be Counseling Services. And we look forward to speaking with you guys in a few weeks. Hope you guys All enjoy right. this podcast. Amen.
I can't find the mouse. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it.